0: Now I want to, as Helen mentioned, I want to talk to you today about passing the test. And there are many tests along the way through life and many different sorts of tests and exams. But also in Christianity, there are tests to pass. And I want to have a look at a few things today. I'd like you to open your bibles today to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5. So when we buy a house or a car we um when we buy a house or a car or or when we Make a purchase of something substantial of substantial value. We have the option to have the item checked out If if we're buying a house, we like to go and inspect the house and make sure everything's okay If we're buying a car, we like to take it for a test drive We want to be sure that we're not wasting our money and we want to make sure that we get good value because we've worked hard for that money and we want good value for our hard-earned dollar. And, folks, it's the same with salvation. Occasionally, we need to do a self-check. Okay? Occasionally, we need to do a self-check. So let's have a read of 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. It says, Examine yourselves... To see whether you are in the faith, test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? Now, this is quite an interesting passage of Scripture, folks, because often we say, Oh, I think the Lord is testing me, or I'm being tested by the Lord, or we have that kind of mindset. But here this Scripture says, test yourselves test yourself what i've never read that in the scriptures before but there right there it is folks test yourselves can i get it right examine yourselves or something funny's happened there hmm there's a reflection anyway i see what's happened So examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? So, interesting passage. Paul, the Apostle Paul, urges us to examine our hearts to be sure that we are in the faith. Examine our hearts to be sure that we are in the faith. Are you able to examine your own heart, your own lifestyle? And we must make sure that Christ is in us. And too often we see people who have some sort of biblical understanding, but they're not really true believers. They take select verses and become a person that believes in God, but experiences some sort of barrier or blockage that stops them from embracing Christ in a personal relationship. And in short, it becomes like some sort of religious experience for them. There are so many versions of Christianity that many people search for the truth without actually finding it. This is quite a sad thing. And true, Christianity is a personal relationship with Christ. If we don't have that, then, folks, we're just into religion. Nice. Just into religion. There are many denominations and churches that give their adherences a religious experience each Sunday. Can we soften this light a bit? It's so bright. Just Yeah, that's a bit better. Yeah, thank you. There are so many denominations and churches that give their adherents an experience, a religious experience, each Sunday. There are so many cults and sects that do the same. And, folks, this is not really God's way at all. Doubts about our salvation can bring us down and cause us to become complacent in our relationship with Christ. And this can have disastrous effects. For the serious believer, again, ladies and gentlemen, let me stress that if we do have doubts about our salvation, then it is time to make some sort of change to our belief system. If we have doubts about our salvation, then it is time to make some sort of change to our belief system. We need to ask the question. What is salvation all about? And then seek the Lord to open our hearts and our minds to the truth of the gospel message, which is essentially to have a personal relationship with God. Now, That might seem radical, but that's what the scriptures are all about. If you look at the patriarchs, Abraham, wasn't wrapped up in church stuff, was he? Or cults or sects. He had a personal relationship with God. Moses, same. Elijah, same. Elisha, the same. David, the same. Jesus had a personal relationship with the Father. And that's the call for us. It's not about having a religious experience once a week. And although this verse we read out says to examine yourselves. Don't be mistaken by looking inward to self. Salvation comes from only one source, folks, and that's the Word of God. And the moment we trust Christ implicitly, we can rely on the authority of the Scriptures that we have been born again. And becoming one of God's children involves being born and then adopted into His family. The struggle is that in our first birth, folks, listen to this. The struggle is that in our first birth, we are born into a sinful environment. And this is where all of our problems, stress, anxiety, sickness, etc., is where they all come from, from the sinful environment. Only death will allow us to escape the sinful environment. And hopefully, we prefer to go up And not down. The point is this. Everybody encounters similar problems. But for those who have Christ, we have the edge over the sinful environment in which we live. No, we can't escape the sinful environment. But we do have Christ who desires to help us through the struggles of life. To help us through this sinful environment and to bring us out the other side by passing the test. We have the edge folks, we have the edge over this sinful environment in which we live. No, we can't escape it. But we do have Christ who desires to help us through. We don't understand everything about Christ, so we need to exercise faith trust and belief faith trust and belief yes you heard it faith trust and belief we need to exercise faith trust and belief what are they i want you to say them out loud right now we are to exercise all together now faith trust and belief okay thank you thank you Sometimes life is tough and we don't understand God's decisions, do we? Not always. Where sickness, premature death and situations sometimes just seem unjust. But folks, at the end of the day, God is God. God is God. And I have lost my place. Something weird happened to my computer. God is God, and we must continue to have faith and trust in His judgment where life issues are concerned. And all of this is part of passing the test. All of this is part of passing the test. There are several areas that we can look at to see if we pass the test. Verse 5 says. Examine yourselves to make sure that you pass the test. So self-examination is part of passing the test. Well, anytime we are tested, it's an exam, isn't it? So verse 5 says, Examine yourselves to make sure that you pass the test. The test determines whether or not Christ Jesus is in you. To have the personal relationship, Christ must be in you and you must be in Christ. Let me say that again. To have the personal relationship, Christ must be in you and you must be in Christ. Now, I've listed six areas of relationship which, when examined, will help you to know what adjustments you need to make to your life to to tighten up your relationship with Christ. So, folks, we all have our life and we're all at different stages in our walk, in our Christian walk, but I want to not excuse me, tonight or today, I want to share with you some areas... That will help you to tighten up your relationship with Christ. The first area of six is holiness. First of all, what is holiness? Good question. Holiness is one of the essential elements that God's nature required of his people. Holiness may also be called sanctification or godliness and the Hebrew word for holy denotes that which is sanctified or that which is set apart for divine service okay for divine service God's high expectations of his people flow out of his own holy nature it's interesting isn't it God's expectations or God's high expectations for his people flow out of his own holy nature. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, says Exodus 19.6. You shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy, says Leviticus 19.2. Who said you couldn't preach out of the law? Let me tell you, folks. God is holy and he requires a holiness of his people. And the theme of sanctification or the theme of, excuse me, or the theme of growing into God's likeness and being consecrated for his use is prominent throughout the scriptures. This is all about passing the test. You can see it right there at the bottom of of your screen, right there. Passing the test. It's about passing the test. So the theme of sanctification or growing into God's likeness and being consecrated for his use is prominent throughout the Bible. And like Jesus, the apostles taught that sanctification or true holiness expressed itself in patient and loving service while awaiting the Lord's return. Get that. Get that. The apostles taught that sanctification or true holiness expressed itself in patient and loving service while awaiting the Lord's return. Peter urged the suffering Christians of the Roman Empire to follow God's example of holiness, holiness in their trials. 1 Peter 1.15 says, And he who has called you is holy and Also, be holy in all your conduct. Holy in all your conduct. That means be careful what you watch. Be careful what you think. Be careful what your eyes take in. And be careful what your mouth puts out. Such things as profanities are not liked by God. And such things as dirty talk and evil talk are less than holy and God has a requirement and don't get to heaven and let God say brother, sister, I had so much more for you but your level of holiness was not quite up to standard. Don't be that person but be the one that says well done good and faithful servant. That's the one That's what we want to hear. And this sermon will help you in these six areas. Let's continue. Okie dokie. It's about tightening up areas of your life that don't measure up to God's mandate for holiness. In short, this list goes like this. Getting drunk, gambling, obsessions, etc. These are lifestyle issues But God requires more than just talking holiness. Attitude check, attitude to others, attitude to God, and just check to see if you need to tighten up some areas. Unforgiveness or holding a grudge or or snappy at people and attitude issues. Your attitude to others will affect your attitude to God. Holiness is what God asks for. Now, folks, I'm a pastor. And sometimes people come to church quite regularly. And sometimes people come to church not very regularly. But do you know what I believe? I believe that an individual's personal relationship with God is reflected by their church attendance and by their fellowship. That's what I believe. A person's personal relationship with God is reflected by their fellowship with others by their church attendance those that rarely attend church I would say they their relationship with God needs to be tightened up now that's not a per se statement it's not a throwaway line but and it's not true in every case but basically folks that's what it is okay so holiness let's talk about the next area that can be tightened up in your life. Hatred of sin. Mankind originally fell into sin at the temptation of Satan or the temptation from Satan. As the tempter, he continues to lure people into sin, says 1 Peter 5, 8. Nevertheless, people remain fully responsible for what they do. We have the power to choose. Regardless of the temptation, sin is not represented in the Bible as the absence of good or It's not represented as some sort of illusion that stems from our human limitations. Sin is portrayed as a real and positive evil. Sin is more than unwise behavior that produces sorrow and stress. Sin is a rebellion against God's law, the standard of righteousness. Psalm 119, verse 160. The standard, a rebellion against God's word, which the law, a rebellion, I'll say that again. It is a rebellion against God's law, the standard of righteousness. Against this dark background of sin and its reality, the gospel comes as good news of the deliverance that God has provided through his son. And Jesus bears the penalty of sin in place of his people, says Mark Mark 10.45. He also redeems us from lawlessness and makes us long for good works in service to God and others. Titus 2.14 Folks, committing sin is totally avoidable. Yes, yes, yes. I know it's not what you want to hear, but committing sin is totally avoidable. It's hard work. But it's avoidable. We have the same power in us as Christians that raised Christ from the dead. We do. Sure, I understand that some sin is accidental. I get that. We all get that. And some sin is committed without intent. But folks... Let me get serious here. Deliberate sin is a no-no and should not even be contemplated. Imagine if Jesus had succumbed to the temptations of the devil. Where would we be now? Don't go there. Because Jesus got the devil to flee. How good was that? Jesus got the devil to flee. And so <clears throat> uh, excuse me of Ah, here we go. So We've done hatred of sin. Now let's look at love of the brethren. Number three, four, five, six. Love of the brethren. So we've done, uh, 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 what was the first one there? Can you remember? Oh, you've been listening. Yes. Holiness. Mm -hmm. Number two? Hatred of sin. Hatred of sin. So here we go, number three, folks. You better write these down. Love of the brethren. These are all areas that we can tighten up our relationship with God. Okay. Christians, folks, Christians are a brotherhood in the service of Christ. Matthew twenty three eight. A family made up of those who do the will of God. Matthew twelve fifty, Mark three thirty five, and Luke eight twenty one. Don't worry about looking these scriptures up at the moment, but write them down and uh, and then they will help you later to do a self-check, a self-analysis, a self-examination so that you can pass the test. I want you to pass the test. That's what I want. I want you to pass the test. No, it makes no difference to my Christianity whether you pass or fail. It makes no difference. I will still go to heaven. My name will still remain in the Lamb's book of life. I will still get my reward, my mansion over the hilltop, whether you pass the test or not. But I, I, Pastor Chu, I want you to pass the test. And that's what this message is about. You passing the test. This is information. I'm a messenger. Okay, love of the brethren. That's why I do it. Love of the brethren. Oh, yeah, love getting together with believers. Nothing better than two pieces of iron coming together to sharpen each other. Alrighty, enough. Christians are a brotherhood in the service of Christ. I've read that already. Matthew 23, 8. And a new commandment I give unto you Jesus said to his disciples that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another by this will all know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another John 13:34 and 35 It's a song some of you might know it A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you that you love one another. Da, 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 I can't remember the rest. Anyway, I wasn't born to be a singer, but a preacher. Let's continue. A Christian's love should extend beyond the Christian brotherhood to all people. What? Are you kidding me, Pastor Stewart? Am I to love even unbelievers? Are you serious? Okay. Matthew 5.47 says, If you greet your brethren only, said Jesus in the Sermon of the Mount, what do you do more than others? Fair question. The Christian is called not only to love his neighbor and his brother, but to also love his enemy. Matthew 5:44. "How many of us have enemies, folks? Every Christian has an enemy and some have two or three or many. There's some people that just rub you up the wrong way. Best thing to do, pray for them. Do you know what I do? To, I just look around to see if anyone's with my enemies. This is my little secret. I pray for their salvation. Those that persecute me and give me a hard time, I pray for their salvation. Say, oh, Lord, change their heart. Change their attitude. Lord, reveal yourself to them in a special and unique way. We pray for their salvation. I lift them up to you, Jesus. I present them before the throne room of God. Touch them, Lord. Change their heart. Pray for your enemies, folks. Pray for your enemies. Okie dokie. Enjoy life by extending friendships to all peoples. Sharing the love of God is more about example than words. It's nice to share a scripture. Nice to get together. But we also need to love. Love is not just a noun. Love is a verb. And a verb is a doing word. So that means the word love requires action. So if you say you love someone, if I say I love my wife, Helen, how will she know if I just say words? I need to demonstrate that love. Or if I say I love my pastor or or if I love people in church or if I love my next door neighbor, then I need to demonstrate that love so that they will know by my actions that they are loved by me. I know we get frustrated with people sometimes. That's normal. We're on a level and they tend to annoy us and bug us and rub us up the wrong way. And sometimes we feel like shaking the dust from our feet and moving on. Keep them in prayer, folks. Keep them in prayer. Sharing the love of God is more more about example than word, words. Words, being a Christian is not internalizing your belief, but rather expressing your belief by showing love to our neighbours. Okay, now the next one is righteousness. So I hope you're writing these down: holiness, hatred of sin, love of the brethren, and righteousness. Holy and upright living in accordance with God's standard. The word righteousness comes from the root word, which means straightness. It refers to a state that confirms to an authoritative standard. We all know what the, pardon me, we all know what that standard is. Righteousness, folks, is a moral concept. God's character is the definition and source of all righteousness. I've got some scriptures. Write these down. Genesis eighteen twenty five. Deuteronomy thirty two four. Romans nine four nine fourteen. Hang on, Pastor Stu, slow down a bit, you're going too fast. How can I get all that down? I'll say it again. Genesis eighteen twenty five. Okay, Genesis eighteen twenty-five. Deuteronomy thirty-two four and Romans nine fourteen. Now just put a side note in brackets next to those righteousness. Genesis eighteen twenty five Deuteronomy thirty two four and Romans nine fourteen. Okay. Deuteronomy thirty two verse four and Romans nine fourteen. Okie okay. dokie. And just put a bracket. Word, righteousness. So therefore, the righteousness of human beings, it defined in terms of God's. That is God's righteousness. So for example, Adam and Eve would have acted righteously in their relationship with God if they had have obeyed him. Okay, Because his commands defined that relationship. So basically, righteousness is doing what is right according to God's standards. Let go of your old nature and embrace the Christ-like nature. Read the Bible, so folks. Read the Bible for instructions on standard of living. And I know many of us read the Bible and say, yeah, yeah, I know that, I know that, I know that. But folks, it's not practiced in your life. It's okay to read the Bible and say, "Yeah, yeah, I know, I believe, I'm, I'm a righteous person." You know, God placed, I'm saved, I'm born again, my name's in the book. God's placed His robe of righteousness, His, His robe of righteousness on my shoulders. But I tell you what, that may well be true. But for some people, the heart hasn't changed. The heart hasn't changed, and we've got to let that knowledge drop nine inches into the heart. Okay into the seat of our emotions. Because it's the heart that rules the brain, it's the brain that rules the tongue. So if the tongue is to be ruled effectively, it needs to be ruled from the heart, not from the brain. So that means that we can have knowledge, but our, what comes from the tongue comes from the heart, not from the brain, it comes from the heart first. And then so if the heart is dirty, the tongue will be dirty. If the heart is dirty, the mind will be dirty, the tongue will be dirty. If the heart is clean, the mind will be clean, the tongue will be clean. It's how it works, folks. Everything comes from the heart because that's where the Spirit of God is connected to our spirit. So we need to be clean. Clean Clean-hearted people, clean-hearted mind, clean speech, clean eyes, clean ears. It's how it works. Joyce Meyer, the pastor Joyce Meyer, she said this, Have a check-up! From the neck up. I like that. Have a checkup from the neck up. And the way you can do that is to examine your heart. And verse 5, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, which we're reading tonight it's our passage, says, examine yourself. Examine yourself. Okay. So, Basically, righteousness is doing what is right according to God's standards. Let go of your old nature and embrace the Christ like nature. Read the Bible for instructions. Okay, next word. Numbers five. Is it number five? Yep. Obedience. Oh, what? I have to obey God as well as do all this stuff. Come on, Pastor Stu. No, 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 no. I haven't finished yet. Okay, so what do we got? What did we start with? Come on, Helen, how good's your memory? Uh, we first one. Huh. Ha, Hol- Holiness. Holiness. And the next one? Huh. Ha. Hatred. hatred of sin. Hatred of sin. Number three. Uh, love of Love the of the Brethren. Number four. Graciousness. Ah, we doing well. We're on a roll. And number five. Obedience. Are you an obedient wife? Yeah. Hallelujah. Okay, let's move on. We won't go there. The word of... Ab- <laughs> How bad am I? All right. No, we need to be-, be obedient unto the scriptures, folks. That's what it says. The word obey is related to the idea of hearing. It's interesting, isn't it? The word obey is related to the idea of hearing. Obedience is a positive, active response to what a person hears. First, before you can be obedient, you must hear something. Please. Please. Wash the dishes. Now that you've heard the instruction, the choice is to be obedient or disobedient. So, first we must hear God summons his people to active obedience to his revelation. So, we read the scriptures. The scriptures are revealed to us. That's revelation. So let me say this again. God summons people to active obedience to his revelation. People's failure to obey God will result in judgment. That's interesting, isn't it? If we are obedient to God, then there'll be no need for us to be judged. But we can only be judged on disobedience. Think about that, as we talk about Samuel, first Samuel 15:22. Samuel emphasized that God's pleasure was not in sacrifice, but God's pleasure is in obedience. And the reference for that is 1 Samuel 15, 22. And even the promise of a new covenant emphasized obedience as God's gift. You didn't know that obedience was a gift of God? Have a look at Jeremiah 31, I've got all the answers, folks. They're just in Scripture. I'll read it again. Even the promise of a new covenant emphasized obedience as God's gift Jeremiah 31-33 In the New Testament the obedience of Christ stands in contrast to the disobedience of Adam and the disobedience of Adam brought death but the perfect obedience of Christ brought grace righteousness and life says Romans five, twelve to 21 This is a tough one, but on the inside of the heart of every believer, there is a knowing and a conviction related to obedience to the scriptures. In short, obedience has its own rewards. Yeah, obedience has its own rewards. Okay, and let's come to the last one. Separation from the world. Interesting, folks. Jesus states in John 8 23, You belong to the world, but hang on, you belong to the world here below, but I will come from above. The term world also denotes the condition of human affairs with people alienated and opposed to God. We belong to that world, or that's where we live. But Jesus comes from above, and Jesus wants his followers to live in the world, to serve and to witness, but not get caught up in the godless pleasures and the perversities of life. And I do not ask you to keep them out of the world, but I do ask you to keep them safe from the evil one, John seventeen fifteen. Have a read of that. I do not ask you to keep them out of the world, but I do ask you to keep them safe from the evil one. You see, the problem is not the world. The problem is the evil one. Okay, get this verse. God is telling Jesus to keep us safe from the evil one. He has given us a list of behavioral instructions and has offered us his help at any time. It's interesting, isn't it? time. It's tough living in a sinful environment, and we do need help where to live in this world, but we do not embrace the lifestyle. Okay, that's it, folks. I'm ready to conclude. I'm ready to wrap up. So let me do a quick review. Remember, it's about passing the test, examining yourself for a self-check. It's about tightening up your relationship with God. So tighten up your relationship with God through acts of holiness, through the hatred of sin, through love for the brethren, folks, through righteousness and a righteous lifestyle, through obedience to the word and living in in the world but being separated From the activities of godless people. So let me give a very short, a very quick conclusion and wrap up. At the end of the day, we are either true believers or we are disqualified by failure to pass the test. So I urge you today to be a genuine believer, not a fake. Examine your hearts often to be sure that you are in the faith. It's about, folks, it's about securing your eternal destiny. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this word, for the revelation of this scripture, of examining ourselves so that we can pass your test. We pray, Lord, you'll help us in every way, in every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon on Anchor Podcast. You can find more sermons on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public and Stitcher. Also check out our live stream messages on YouTube and Facebook. Just type Wattle City Church into your search window. God bless you and have a great day. I mean.